and welcome to the morning show. Thank you for getting the microphone on this morning. Hopefully you all are doing well on this Friday. I am feeling good about it. Not only because it's just the end of the week, my gosh, but because we have access to our cell phones. I mean, it makes you thankful and never take things for granted when, I mean, with thousands and thousands of Americans couldn't make a phone call. I'm also very thankful because it's going to be really, really beautiful outside. And you know what we do with Fridays? We pull in our friends and our Friday with Friends panel joining me at 8.05 this morning is, how about this? Shelby County Commissioner Charlie Caswell, he's a Democrat, and a Republican, Fred Tappen. They'll be both in studio for 30 minutes and cannot wait to hang out with them. But first, let's go to our phone lines. Wanted to open the show with a conversation that a lot of people are having since yesterday. And thousands of Americans were left frustrated, angry, confused, and scared. Pamela Fur, which you guys know very well, she's now with America for Prosperity, joins us on our phone lines. Pamela, thanks for joining me on The Morning Show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So the reason I've done this yesterday because I, I wouldn't have had a phone. The, okay, so you were one of the ones effective. Why I wanted yeah. to get you on is you fill in on WTN, you do radio, hey, you've done it for years, and I was listening to your show, it may have been a month ago, and you talked mm-hmm. about some real concerns that we have with our infrastructure and also what is in the, I don't want to say extraterrestrial because it's not aliens, but out there in outer space. And <laughs> yeah. you, Pam, frankly, you scare me. Pamela, you scare me. I went straight <laughs> home and I called my parents. I'm like, are you prepared for solar flares, which leads us to yesterday? Because a lot of people were wondering, what do right. you make of it all? Well, first of all, AT&T has said it was not a solar flare that it caused the outage. It was a software update. I ain't buying that, by the way, but whatever. Um, But when it comes to technology and solar energy, there could be a problem. As you said, I've been doing radio for a real long time, probably before you were born, Ben. I'm I'm old. I'm old. Uh, But you're beautiful. Not that old. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. But there you know there is um if you've been in radio for a long time you know that solar flares affect radio signals they affect um news feeds people may not know but sometimes when you get national news down the line and you get to hear I don't know who you guys have as your national news affiliate but when you hear news sometimes that is affected because solar flares will not signal out from a satellite to whatever receiver may be uh broadcasting that news program or what have you. So this is not a a new thing. The problem is people aren't aware of it these days, and one bad solar flare could wipe out a power grid. It could wipe out, as we saw yesterday, or at least suspected yesterday, that the possibility of a solar flare knocked out your cell signal. Um, And the big question is not if it's going to happen, it's when is it going to happen and are you ready for it? What if the electric grid got zapped and you didn't have power for a week or 10 days or a month? Would you be able to survive? Or what if it did blow out your cell signal 
and you couldn't communicate with anybody, you know how to handle that, or are you going to be afraid? So the the best thing to do is just be prepared, you know, be prepared for things like this. I'm not as much worried about the Russians as I am of our own big son. Well, that's (laughs) what's interesting, because there was some solar flares that caught the attention of a couple scientists at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. They said two powerful solar flare uh, flares, billions of times stronger than a Hydrogen bomb, Pamela, erupted from the sun Wednesday night and into early Thursday morning. And that is why a lot of people are wondering, could it have been that? Why I'm confused with AT&T, if I'm being honest, because I have their statement and I appreciate you bringing that up because they are saying this was a glitch. Here's their, their statement. Based on our initial review, we believe that today's outage was caused by the application and execution of an incorrect process used as we were expanding our network. It's not a cyber attack. Thank you for clarifying that, AT&T. But why did it affect other um, 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 uh, providers, Pamela? Because we also saw yesterday that there were people struggling with Verizon, um, Cricket. I, I just, that confuses me. Well, I will say um, this morning there were comments from Verizon and others that said we didn't experience an outage. People were reporting an outage from Verizon and others because they were calling AT&T phones and not getting anything. So they thought that their phones or their service was interrupted, and it was not. That's what they're saying. And that could very well be true. Mm -hmm. Um, That actually does make sense. What I find interesting this morning, and we're going to – I'm getting a little further away from solar flares, but I don't know if you've seen the breaking news, but pharmacies are now reporting they've, they are experiencing a cyber attack today and they're having problems fulfilling some uh, prescription requests or refills or what have you this morning. Now that's a problem. Yeah. I, and I'm just wondering, is any of this a coincidence as president Biden or whoever has been making the threats of sanctions against Russia in the last day or two, and now all of a sudden we're experiencing these things. So I'm not buying what AT&T is selling, but at the same time, it it, it, it sure is interesting that a couple of solar flares did happen Wednesday night. So, I mean, the bottom line is for all of it, prepared you need to be prepared for what can you flush that out a little bit pam yeah because when i listened to you open with your show um and the show you were filling in on in nashville um you did talk about some of that preparedness and we did have a lot of listeners yesterday reach out like very concerned Mm -hmm. so yesterday is uh, thank god we don't have to dwell on it now but we should use that as an opportunity to plan for plan B. Well, I mean, remember how crazy things were when COVID first started hitting America and Tennessee and how people lost their dang minds trying to find toilet paper. (laughs) You know, I mean, so you know how, what if now you're trying to find clean water? Right. Now, because if it hits your, some sort of, if an EMP or a solar flare or whatever takes out, 
you know, a computer system that is in control of your you know, water infrastructure, you may not have clean water. What are you going to do? How are you going to survive? You got to have water to survive. You need water before you need food. So, I mean, I, the, you just have a plan, whether it is knowing how to boil water over a campfire to, to get all the impurities out of it, or you've got some sort of water storage in your garage or, you know, where you can at least live for 10 days, you know, that, and I would start small and then you, I mean, I, people talk about preppers, but boy, those preppers seemed very smart when COVID hit because mm-hmm. <laughs> they had enough stuff to survive. So that, I mean, that's, I'm not a crazy prepper, but being prepared is not a bad idea. Start with that. You know, if you're in the winter, do you have enough Ask for your gas logs and your gas fireplace to be able to stay warm. If not, get it. it do you have a generator? Uh, do you have your medications? If you're on medications that keep you alive or, you know, make sure you have a 90-day supply handy in case a cyber attack like they're talking about today happens at your pharmacy. You know, what if an EMP or a solar flare takes out a satellite that controls all the banking around the world. You know, wow. are and you that's, prepared? Do you have cash? Do you have, you know what I mean? You know, and because I am younger and you've pointed that out and I am Pam, yeah, Pamela, l- listen to me. I could not get downtown barely if I did not have my cell phone. And I only live about 15 minutes from the station. I just learned how to get downtown from the interstate. And that's the that's the reality, Pamela, the reality. of the fact yeah. that we now were a generation are binkies. We're not little rubber toys that they stuck in our mouth. They were cell phones. So I fear that with how dependent we now are, and it's not just Gen Z, millennials. Look at our parents now. Look at our grandparents. We're so dependent. But your grandparents and your parents do know how to read a map. I mean, no, and I'm not true. being mean or anything. Do you know how to read a map? Do you own a map, like a paper map most people don't and so you know do they even print them anymore i guess would be my next question too do they even print those suckers anymore so you could figure out how to navigate and figure out where to go um i remember being around and this it's comical but it's also sad i was around some teenage girls a year or two ago and they were walking around in their neighborhood. They, they always went for a walk in their neighborhood. And their mother uh, turned off their data plan as punishment for something. And the girls freaked out <laughs> because they said, I don't know how to get home. I can't get home. What do you mean you can't get home? Because you turned off my data, so I can't read the map. I don't know how to get home. I mean, it was that funny. It was sad all at the same time because that that really is the reality of things. Yeah. Um, Can I ask you one last thing? Because you did raise this and it's about cyber attacks. Um, I don't want to be paranoid, but I do want to address this because Marco Rubio released this statement on X that had a lot of people freaking out. um, And you alluded to the potential vulnerabilities that we have. He, He wrote this. I don't know the cause of the AT&T outage, but I do know it will be 100 times worse when China launches a cyber attack on America on the eve of a Taiwan invasion. 
And it won't just be the cell service they hit. It will be your water, your um, power, and your bank. A lot of people thought that was very cryptic. Uh, And there was a lot of speculation. What is he talking about? Maybe, again, just a good reminder. We are vulnerable right now in our global setting with this current administration. Sure. Yeah, very, very much so. Now, the good news is even about Biden at the helm, I mean, we do have an incredible military. Um, We do have incredible, uh, brilliant minds at NSA and other organizations. Forget the politics of it all. You know, if China is going to hit us with a cyber attack, you better believe we're hitting them with a cyber attack. So even though we're vulnerable, other people, are our enemies are also vulnerable. But at the same time, that doesn't help me if I can't uh, if I have no money to buy things with, or if I, like we just talked about, if I don't have clean water or electricity, you know, knowing that we're striking them back with a cyber attack doesn't help my bottom line, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I, and I'm sitting here making myself a little nervous because as much as I preach, be prepared, now I'm thinking about the things that I really need to step up and go ahead and get done. And, you know, say this last thing, Ben, regardless of it all, if you are a person of faith, yeah. you been you have a peace and a calmness knowing that yeah. even in the chaos and the crazy, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Way to end. Be a little hungry, <laughs> but you're going to be okay. <laughs> oh man. I remember I, the first time I got, well, I got saved, I think a couple times when I was a little kid, I accidentally watched <laughs> Left Behind. <laughs> on my uh-huh. own yes, that'll, and that'll scare you <laughs> went straight to the altar pam confessed it all thank you thank you thank you for you're jumping on you're an expert and again pamela sure. for with americans for prosperity gonna leave it there all right on the other side i have a question for all of our hard-working taxpayers in the state of tennessee are you down to raising the minimum wage from seven bucks 725 an hour to 20 dollars an hour this is not a hypothetical situation i'm talking to you about this is a new house bill that has the backing of the democratic party here in the state of tennessee are you okay with paying this minimum wage hike i would love to hear from you it'd be from seven dollars an hour well 725 a quarter to twenty dollars an hour as it's coming out of my mouth i am i am losing it and that's the basic minimum. The Starbucks barista that won't even look at you in the eye and just throw your frappuccino in your face, they are going to get a minimum of $20 an hour. And I will tell you, Starbucks, as well as like places like Target, they're already making like 16 bucks an hour. But that would almost be $3 more if this house bill would become a law. We'll jump into it more. Just wanted to throw it out there. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. All right, let's go legal real quick before we get into this house bill that would raise the minimum wage to $20 an hour. We have an update on the 10-year-old little boy in Senatobia. Dylan, we have been covering this story for a while now. This is the little black boy that peed 
while his mom was in the probation court in the courthouse in this Mississippi town. So he's waiting for mom to get out of the office and he pees by the car. Okay. We've all been there. So an officer comes out. He sees the boy peeing and goes and gets the mom. The mom comes out of the courthouse and chastises her son. This according to a lawyer that now is representing the family. Because get this, the city of Senatobia and all of those folks involved with this are facing a $2 million lawsuit. $2 million in damages uh, that they are citing use of force, negligence, and intentional infliction of emotional distress for this 10-year-old little boy. $2 million. So... The mom says she comes out, gets the kid in trouble, but that was when four more officers showed up. They then put the 10-year-old little boy in the back of a police car and took him to jail. Okay. They deserve the lawsuit. Mm. That's inappropriate to me. Now, they're claiming this is now a race issue, so I expect what Al Sharpton to be holding a big presser, maybe Ben Crump down at the courthouse in Senatobia. Uh, before we jump into it a little bit more, here's the attorney representing the family. His name is Carlos. And you'll also hear the mom at the end of this soundbite. This was the press conference they held yesterday. Take a listen and cut nine. We're here this afternoon to announce the filing of a federal lawsuit. This happened in Mississippi. This happened in America. And we're here to say, Senatobia, city of Senatobia, you have to pay for what you did. This young man was in Senatobia and he discreetly urinated in this city and was arrested, put in a police cruiser, taken to jail and put in a cage, as he called it, a jail cell from between 45 minutes and one hour. This happened in August. This is now February. We're here in Black History Month, and we take the rights of these black citizens seriously. He gets to the point where he sees police officers, he just starts shaking. He's frightened. He's, he's really traumatized behind this. Senatobia, you can pay me now, or you can pay me later. But trust me, you will pay this family. Okay, so why the city stepped in it is because they then had to come forward with a statement a little uh, after this happened. And they said, it was an error in judgment for us to transport the, the kid um, to the police station since the mom was present at the time as a reasonable alternative. Mistakes like this are a reminder in this profession of continual need for training. Hmm. Well, and then I would say so. Then the officers, one of the officers got fired, terminated. And then the Senatobia Police Department had to release another statement. And here's what they said about that. The officer's decisions violated our written policy and went against our prior training on how to deal with these situations. So not only did the kid um, get arrested and, and what the kid said was placed in a cage, <laughs> that would be the jail. This is actually sad. It is. And traumatizing. I mean, th- the kid's old. 10. Yeah. And you arrest him? Come on. So not only did they arrest him, I'm looking at more from this press conference. The kid's name was Quantavius. He had to go to youth court twice, was put on probation. The judge ordered him to meet with his probation officer once a month. So I guess the mom had a probation officer and now the kid. Then he had to take a random drug test, follow an 8 p.m. curfew. The kid's 10. Of course, he's going to be in in bed by 10 or by 8. And then he had to write a two-page report about Kobe Bryant, which is the most random, cruel, and unusual punishment 
I think that takes the cake. And he had to write an essay about Kobe Bryant. So the lawyer's saying that this would never have happened if it was a white kid. I, I just, I've never heard of this even happening. What are they doing up there in Cenotopia? Down there, I guess. I, I don't know, but it needs to stop. I mean, think about it for one moment. Again, if you are a 10-year-old little boy and you are thrown into the back of a police car without your mom, you are going to have some trauma. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not being a simp. I'm not being weak. I'm not being beta. And so, again, when the police department has come forward and said, we have stepped in it multiple times, I do feel like this kid could be a couple bucks richer at the end of this. Yeah. And he's probably going to pee his pants next time he has to go to the bathroom <laughs> instead of. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. That's a great, great point. What's a kid going to do when he has to take a leak? Um, if this... Probably his bathrooms. But he didn't have one available. Oh, come on. You were 10 years old at one time. Oh, yeah. I'm not I'm not above this. I did it at school once. I did it in my backyard. I, uh, that, was, that was a little bit more. I got in trouble. I got a detention for that one because I didn't. I just wanted to stay outside and play on the playground. And there was a tree nearby. Why go inside the schoolhouse when you can just find a nice oak tree? It's nature. Yeah. Unfortunately, I just didn't get hauled to my police department because I would still be in therapy to this day. All right. On the other side, we are going to be talking to Fox News contributor and columnist Liz Peek. She had this fantastic piece out. Um, we're also going to be talking about the uh, the lack of legality and the respect for our law, Constitution, our Supreme Court, with the president of the United States expected to send out a mass email to thousands and thousands of Americans telling them that, hey, guess what? We wiped away all of your student loan debt. And you that didn't get the email are going to pay for it. That's the little dirty secret that they're not going to tell you. We'll jump into that on the other side. It's easy to listen to the Mighty 990 KWAM at work. Just go to Mighty990.com and click on the Listen Live icon. And welcome back to the morning show. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm feeling good because it is the end of the week. And also, it's so sunny outside and I'm just ready to get some vitamin D and forget about winter. It's time for spring. And I think that's what Punxsutawney Phil predicted. So maybe it was actually accurate this time. All right. want to go to our phone line real quick. And we're joined by a special guest, friend of the show, Liz Peake, Fox News contributor and columnist for Fox and The Hill. Liz, thanks for joining us. Happy Friday. I agree with you 100%. I'm not in a sunny place, but I am done with winter. I'm with you. So I was texting Grace, the executive producer of the Todd Starn Show, last night, and I stumbled across your latest column. And I, you've got to have her on because this is interesting, Liz. We've been talking about the shift of the narrative surrounding Vice President Kamala Harris. Two days ago, we talked about this CNN report that says she's going through a remaking of sorts. There are people that are actually now viewing her as maybe their last-ditch effort because it doesn't look like they're going to go with another candidate. They're sticking with President Joe Biden. And then I read your op-ed, and the headline is this. Democrats do have a Kamala problem, and it's not going away anytime soon. We'll jump into it, but I'll let you take it from there. 
Well, look, everyone, everyone in the world thinks that Joe Biden is a terrible candidate. That's fact number one. No one can imagine that their Democrats are going to allow him to represent their party in November because 85% of the country thinks he's too old for another four years. And guess what? They're right. He is. So there's much speculation about, oh, Gavin Newsom could be the candidate or uh, Jay Pritzker or Gretchen Whitmer or, oh, my gosh, here comes Michelle Obama, which, by the way, is not such a crazy idea. But anyway, there's been a lot of chatter about it. Almost no one ever talks about Kamala Harris. Well, guess what, folks? She thinks she's a very good candidate, <laughs> and she is working it. I mean, I think, you know, I'm on the uh, distribution for what the president and vice president are up to at every moment of the day, uh, because that's what you can, you can, as a reporter, you can kind of sign into that. And I got to tell you, not much is happening with Joe Biden, as you all know. I mean, if you go on Twitter, people are talking about 40% of the time in Rehoboth or Delaware, uh, and, you know, the guy has nothing on his public schedule. Often days, that's true. Kamala Harris, on the other hand, is a busy bee. I mean, she is talking to people. She's traveling across the country. She's visiting colleges, talking to young people about uh, abortion. She just went to the security conference in Germany representing the United States. She's doing fundraiser. But here's what intrigued me most. Uh, is that she is meeting with groups of Democrat funders and politicians, governors and so forth, particularly black representatives, uh, in her home, having little dinners and salons with these people, and kind of fielding concerns and questions about the Joe Biden campaign, which, as you know, has been criticized as being pretty low energy. Well, you know, guess what? She's kind of insinuating herself into the power broker structure of the Democratic Party. And I think it's going to be increasingly hard for them just to chuck her overboard. In fact, I don't think they can do it. Wow. Okay. So this is interesting because you point this out in your op-ed. There's been critics that question whether she's presidential material. And here's what she had to tell a reporter in Cut 17. What do you say to those concerns specifically if he had to pass the powers to you for one second, one minute, heaven forbid, and you know, I ask with all due respect, but you know, would you, are you capable? Are you ready to step into the role and do whatever the country would need? Absolutely ready, but thank God our president is in good shape and good health and is ready to lead in our second term. Okay. So she is ready, but she cites the president's cognitive improvement or there's no decline at all that's not the case though because there's a montage floating around and i wanted to play it for you real quick so get ready for this this details the the steady decline of his cognitive abilities and i'm referring to president joe biden this starts when he was a senator and you'll hear it progressively get worse cut 15 The end result is they're about to knock my mother on the head with a lead pipe shoot my sister beat up my wife Take on my sons. Jack Kennedy lowered tax rates, increased growth. Ronald Reagan. Now you're Jack Kennedy. In America, we never bow. We never bend. We endure. We move forward. We are America and we are second to none. Your party wants to go socialist. My party is me. Socialist right now. I am. And they're going to dominate you, Joe. You know that. I am the Democratic Party right now. Much more informed on. The um... <laughs> the motives of um, some of the political players and some of the 
The beer brewed here, it is used to make the brew beer here in this final. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. All right, Liz, there's no question. I mean, when you have, what was the latest polling? What, 80% of Americans believe the guy is too old? When have 80% of Americans agreed about anything? I know he has brought the country together. Congratulations, Joe Biden. Uh, he promised to do it, and he has. We all agree <laughs> he should not be the candidate. But again, I mean, what when you have even Ross Dutho, a columnist at the New York Times, saying, time to step aside, Mr. President, and he should... We need a new candidate. We'll do it at the convention. Well, in 68, they did that. The Democrats had a completely terrible convention, complete with anti-war riots, et cetera, et cetera, all kinds of convolutions. And by the way, the people vying for uh, to take over as the candidate, because um, uh, President Johnson had stepped out of the race, uh, were pretty much left-wing, anti-war agitators. But who ended up with the nomination? Hubert Humphrey. Everyone agreed at the time was a terrible candidate, but he was the vice president, and the establishment kind of pushed him in place. I think the same thing could happen with Kamala Harris. If this goes to the convention, as well it might, uh, it, there's two outcomes, either Kamala Harris or Michelle Obama. But Kamala Harris is not going to take take this sitting down. I mean, I think she is ready for a fight, uh, and I think all this sappy coverage in the CNN on CNN is kind of testament to the fact that she's also wooing the media now and making her case. Well, you know what? It's her right, but I think it's a big problem for Democrats because she is her favorabilities, her approval rating of her job. All those things are worse than Joe Biden. And, and they're not turning around even with this big offensive, which, by the way, I think is the third reset now mm -hmm. of her pre vice presidency. Yeah, it is. Um, OK, so. So I have something I wanted to ask you about. I was hanging out with my friends the other day. They are all pretty progressive. They don't like President Joe Biden. But one of my friends piped up and said, but he wiped away our student debt. OK, and that and that could be the reality. We know that the Supreme Court said, Joe Biden, what you're doing is unconstitutional. And he said, tough luck. I'm doing it anyway. Here's Politico with a headline. President Joe Biden will announce $1.2 billion of student debt relief. And here's what they're going to do. They're going to email 153,000 borrowers, excuse me. And in the email, they write, congratulations, all or a portion of your federal loans will be forgiven. And they end in that email. And this is by Politico. I hope this relief gives you a little more breathing room. Signed, President Biden. Pretty un uh, uh, unbelievable. Well, it's, you know, look, I, I, I think I'm gonna, uh, over the weekend, I usually write my weekly thing for Fox, and I think I'm just going to write about how they will stop at nothing to get this guy reelected or Democrat reelected. Uh, and, and whether, you know, whatever it takes, that's what they're going to do. And this, this flurry of student loan forgiveness, I, I wish someone would sue over it. The problem is it's hard to find someone who has standing. I guess you could find you know, a student whose loan hasn't been paid off. But but I think what's so egregious about it is Joe Biden's out there pretending to be the representative of the working man. Do you think that most uh, blue-collar workers in America think that they should be paying off a student loan for, as someone on Twitter keeps saying, a gender studies uh, graduate student? No, they no. don't. They think this is 
totally unfair. It's a small percentage, not an insignificant percentage, but a small percentage of Americans who have student loans. This is just pandering to a group, the below 35-year-old age group, which right now, believe it or not, in a recent poll went for Donald Trump. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the Biden administration's panicked over this. They can't believe it. That's why Kamala Harris is out talking about abortion. That's why they're uh, forgiving these student loans. But I don't think it'll sit well with most of America, most Americans. I hope not, because it's so incredibly cheesy and sort of obvious. But you know what? That 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 works for these Democrats. Yeah. Um, Let me play one more soundbite and then I'll give you the last word, because that is the question. What about those that do not go to college? And Biden is claiming that this universal student loan debt bailout is for them as well. It's 30 seconds. We'll give you the last word. Cut 12. Look, folks, it's also helping you uh, who don't go to college. It's not just, you know, people say to me sometimes, well, Joe, that's great. You're helping people get into college. But how about all those hardworking people you grew up with in the neighborhood? How about all those folks in labor unions? How about all those hardworking people work with their hands? Why should they? Well, just today, my labor department announced 200, this is not the student loan program, but $200 million in grants for registered, registered apprenticeship programs around the country while you can learn a skilled trade and lead to good paying jobs. I'll give you the last uh, minute, 30 seconds. Well, here's what happens when you pass trillions of dollars of unnecessary bills and spending like the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Act that the Democrats did in 21 with no Republican votes. You have all that money to hand out in little groups and dribs and drabs in swing states. Uh, they also can use the infrastructure bill to do this. There, uh, I mean, the um, Inflation Reduction Act, and that's what they're doing. They're, Kamala Harris was just in Pennsylvania talking up a clean water project. Next stop will probably be Ohio because they can do the same thing. That's the advantage of overspending and having this huge, huge amount of money at your disposal, and they will spend it to buy votes. Mm. All right, going to leave it there. Guys, follow her on social media. Liz Peak, a Fox News contributor, also columnist for foxnews.com and The Hill. You can find her at Liz Peak. Thank you for joining us and breaking down the big stories. Always my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All right, that was fine. On the other side of the break, we're going to jump into some sports headlines. Dylan Dandridge is over in our sports center. He'll break down those headlines on the other side. Don't go away. Is artificial intelligence racist? They are. Um, This is unbelievable. Story we're bringing to you in a couple minutes where if you want to find white people, tough luck because AI and their new Gemini AI that Google rolled out just refuses to do that. I saw something where if you type in what was the getaway car of OJ Simpson, remember it was a white Jeep or a white Bronco? If you type that into ChatGPT or this Gemini artificial intelligence, the Bronco is black, right? They they literally, if you type in what does Elon Musk look like, it's a black Elon Musk. This is unbelievable. We'll jump into it in one second. But before we do that, um, by the way, did you guys see that the American Queen Voyages, one of the three Mississippi River Cruise companies, shut down this week, claiming business never rebounded after the COVID-19 pandemic? 
the company has had some issues. There's no question. The Daily Memphian went through a couple of those issues. They face some bankrupt- uh, bankruptcies, excuse me, a stint of sales and closures. So anyways, Kevin Kane, Memphis tourism president, says he's not worried about this because there's still another cruise company in town. Uh, the Daily Memphian points out, and maybe this is a good idea, they should maybe follow the business model of the nine-month cruise that went viral on TikTok. Dylan Dandridge is in studio this morning. Dylan, good morning. Morning. Do you see this on TikTok? It's all right if you didn't, but there was a huge, uh, like every other video on my For You page was this nine-month cruise that took over TikTok. And so what people would do, and it cost them about 54000 to $170,000, you jump on a cruise boat, you go to 60 different countries and seven continents. Someone already died on it. It sounds like an actual nightmare, doesn't it? Yeah, that sounds like you get seasick and you get sick and then... Nine Everybody months, else gets sick. N- nine months on a boat. Nine months is a long time. That's like the bottom rung of Dante's Inferno. <laughs> Can you even walk after that? No. I don't I, think so. I've never been on a cruise before. I have no desire. Me either. It's like Vegas, but on a boat. I've seen the Titanic. Oh. So. Yeah. Same with Jaws. I don't go in the ocean. Oh, yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> I do, but. See, just... I always say ignorance is bliss. And with, yeah. the, with the water, you can't see anything. So, ignorance is bliss. You don't know if there's a, a shark or hammerhead shark swimming beside your foot. That's a better way to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, the cruise thing, yeah. I'm not a fan. My parents just went on one, and I asked them, I said, did you check how many rafts they had? Because I, too, only think of the Titanic in the movie, and I don't want to end up in a chilly Atlantic Ocean, mm-hmm. and there not be enough little rafts to go around. There's too much unknown in the ocean to get lost out there, and then you're on a raft, and you're like, all right, well, <laughs> does anybody know that I'm here? Okay. So let's real quick talk about Gemini AI, which is the... So there's different versions of artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. ChatGBT. This just was rolled out by Google. And what it's done, and why a lot of people are upset, is they're, they're producing all of these images of black Native American Asian people when prompted, but you cannot get the same results for white people. As a matter of fact, I wrote down a couple different examples. Let me pull this up. This is rather unbelievable. So for example, one of them was, if you type in a white nuclear family, it will not produce those results. It will just be a black family. Which, again, okay, whatever, but don't claim that artificial intelligence is not biased. And you raised this point over the break, and I'll toss it over to you. It's a reminder that even artificial intelligence is run by, by people. Yeah. Ultimately, it's created, it was created by a human. So, like, it's going to have biases on whoever runs it. And the fact that it's Google's AI <laughs> just makes me laugh because you're like, of course. Of course it's Google that... that are are biased against you know and not going to create a white family even when you go out and you you do prompts for a black family asian family hispanic family it'll give you those immediately but as soon as you try to get a white family no if you type in donald trump and this is like a producer of images right so chat gpt is a producer of of paragraphs um it can help you write a resume it can help you write your proposal your marriage vows in this case it's producing images only 
If you type in Donald Trump, swear to God, it's a black Donald Trump. <laughs> Nothing about stop it. So, but it's not just that. Like, if you were to type in October seventh, they say that it is disputed. Um, they say that Hamas is not a terrorist organization. When our own State Department declared Hamas as a terrorist organization, mm-hmm. so Google is trying to backtrack, and they're saying, mm, "Well, it's a good program. We're trying to fix that." But again, there is a lot of discrimination against Black people, and we're trying to right that wrong. Well, this isn't how it's done. Yeah, and there's there's like guidelines that people put on the AI. I mean, you can do so many things with AI. It's so there's it's such a mystery of what's it going to be like in the future. But like this is just kind of one of those things where you're like, someone did this intentionally. Someone well, intentionally put a guideline to not. You have Snapchat, don't you? Yeah. Do you still have your Snapbot at the top of the? I don't know how to delete him. We can't delete him. So mine is orange. He has an orange face. It's not black and purple hair, and. We talked about this where if you type in, for example, is Trump a good president, they will lift his rap sheet of his criminal charges. If you type in President Biden, it is a glowing endorsement of President 46. Stop mm-hmm. it. I don't want this on my on my Snapchat. Yeah. That also makes me uh, think about like what companies are going to have this AI. Like if it's a Republican company, is it going to have more options available? Like it's going to be more... Like you can type in anything and it'll come up with anything. And if it's like a left leaning like Google, like it's not going to let you type in just anything. Elon Musk is expected to produce and create, manufacture his own version of like Gmail Mm -hmm. done with using Google. And I think, Dylan, that is going to have to be the blueprints going forward is we're just going to have to build and build competing infrastructure. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Grizzlies and the Tigers real quick. So the Grizzlies are back in action. Grindhouse today, matchup against the LA Clippers after an NBA all-streak break that felt like an eternity. So what do you make of, do we even have players? Because half of them are in the hospital. (laughs) No, we don't have players. But surprisingly, Ben, we're actually winning some of the games that we need to win. Some of the big games. We we just beat the Bucs. The Bucs are a great team. Um, they're one of the best teams in the in the in the league right now. So the fact that we're beating teams without players is a huge win for us. Um, yeah. And Sunday will bring another chance for the Memphis Tigers to prove what that. I guess they're not quitters. That yeah. Penny Hardaway still is a good coach. Yeah, that they can what rally around Penny, and they they won last week against Charlotte. Good team. Hopefully they can win this week. It's a really really tough match, but you know. I think we could do it. All right. Good stuff. Thank you, Dylan. You'll be hanging out in the second hour as well. As well will our friends on our Friday with Friends panel, Fred Tappen, a great Republican and also host of one of our weekend shows, and Shelby County Commissioner Charlie Caswell, both live and in studio. And we'll jump into some local topics on the other side of the break. Go grab some coffee, stretch, wake up, and come back and join us. We'll be right back. Time to rise and shine. Most of you maybe be up already by now. I hope so anyhow. Uh, my mom, back in the day when I was, I'm willing to wake up and I'm, you know, the school bus is coming. She had this thing where she would walk into my room 
And if I did not wake up upon first call, that is when she would find any object on my dresser and start chucking it. No, my mom was not an abusive mom. She was a great mom. Uh, and ultimately, when she threw the trophy at me, I woke up. Okay, not quite, literally. But uh, <laughs> welcome back to the morning show. I'm very excited to welcome in some friends of KWAM and friends of Memphis. Welcome by Fred Tappen, who is one of our weekend hosts, great, great guy, and Shelby County Commissioner Charlie Caswell. Welcome in, guys. Yes, sir. Good to good be here. Good morning. Good morning. Memphis. So these are fun because I try to bring in people that love the city of Memphis. Sometimes they know each other. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> so do you guys know each other? Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, yeah. Sir. Uh, I know of them in the past and the great work you've been doing for many years in the city. Yes, sir. Well, Commissioner and I met, we were just talking about about 10 years ago, we met through a mutual friend, uh, Bob Midget. I was on the, uh, I was a part of, of the Memphis in the morning. Yeah. That was the name of our show, Memphis in the morning. And I was one of the hosts there and he was on the show all the time. So we got a chance to meet them, but we haven't really talked really since then. Yeah. I've seen all the great work that he's been doing yes, and, and, and co- I offered him congratulations on his county commission seat. But even back then, he was a community activist. He was out there doing the work. Hmm. And I'm very, very proud of him and proud to know him. Thank you, sir. Commissioner, I apologize. I don't have my fact sheet in front of me. How yeah. long have you been serving on the commission? Uh, about 15, 16 months. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Okay. So how's it going? Uh, it's been exciting. It's, it's been, been, yeah, it's been exciting. The great work, you know, especially as he said, being somebody that come from the ground, doing the work to be able to go upstream to make some impact. It's been exciting. Okay. Let's jump into a couple news stories affecting Memphians and Shelby Countyans, and then we'll jump into some fun topics. Uh, so last year, for the first time, Memphis and our history, there were 397 homicides, mm. and it broke a record. And unfortunately, Memphis is on track to have another record-breaking year of crime. If you look at the homicides around this time in 2023, 47 homicides this year we're already at 50 wreg caught up with some folks concerned about the crime and the urgency in addressing it here's what they had to say in cut 10. it doesn't seem that way from watching tv and the news i think it's up i still think it's up way up because uh uh they're not doing anything about it you know there are people getting their cars breaking into their everything and I don't think it's right. The mayor said that he was going to turn Memphis around. I want to see it. Mayor, if if you're going to do something and you're a new kid on the block, you need to do something about this stuff. That's why people are moving. So please, please, I beg you, do something about it. All right, so some folks trying to do something about this. This is on the city council side. They had a big forum with Police Chief C.J. Davis. Mm -hmm. She came before the city council in their committee meeting on Tuesday, and they had some questions about how we are responding to that crime. Take a listen to this compilation. It's not long. We'll get your response in Cut 16. So you've got to tell us what you need from us, if it's sheriff. But I, I think this whole body expects to see this end. Like yesterday. But this type of behavior has got to be stopped. It cannot continue to be allowed on our streets. Or, colleagues, we're not going to have a city left uh, because these people, they are truly terrorizing our streets and scaring people to death. There's one gentleman, I don't know if you can see him, if you could zoom in. Looks like he's holding a weapon in his hand. 
So is that not a crime? You are dealing with very smart, technical uh, youth and uh, young adults that are very sharp. And they're on this term, I don't know if you all have heard, they're on this term called demon time. Mm -hmm. And so when they're on this term called demon time in the streets, when you're in the streets and you're with these, when, and, you, and you can go in the streets and you can hear them, but when they're on this demon time, it's no stopping them. But inconvenience, inconvenience them and make it hard. I'm looking at, it looks like, dozens and dozens of cars here um, and if we only arrested one of them well you know I, I get it they probably scatter but we need to be at least arresting one person you know all right and that was pretty bipartisan mm -hmm. what do we do yeah stop them on their demon time on that demon time and, and that's real and that's real i know again coming from the community uh i have i've seen it i work with a lot of these young people yesterday in my public safety ad hoc committee so i had young people voices i had the memphis allies i had the 901 blocks the lifelines to success those career violence initiatives there as well speaking to what these young people are doing i, I often say pastor and and being it's it's that it's the old African proverbs that when the children don't feel embraced by the village, they'll burn it down to feel the warmth. I think that we're That's at right. that place because we have went for so long of not embracing divorce. Two years in the pandemic of already being physical abuse, emotional abuse, and I had to sit in that. So it's the only amount of time for that volcano to erupt. And I think that what we are seeing is that eruption in part. Yeah. Well, and I wholeheartedly agree with, with Commissioner. I think my problem, Commissioner, is <clears throat> the lack of response. Mm -hmm. um, now, I, I know an officer, MPD, and there were approximately around 300 people out there that night. And we're talking about when off airways. Right off, well, it mm -hmm. was actually on airways yeah. right underneath the, 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 the runway. Mm -hmm. And so th they stopped traffic there. Mm -hmm. And so I was asking this officer friend of mine, why? Did you guys not intervene? Mm -hmm. He said, according to administration, mm -hmm. they are not allowed. He said that if we were to intervene, it could cost us our job. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. what we were told. Now, I don't know what yeah. she told you guys. Yeah. But I this is from boots on the ground. Right, and and I hear that as well, but we see that because just the other day when they intervened, when the young girls and the young man in Ferrari right. stole their car and right. they ran to the pole and the young person died. Right. And so you have these type of incidents, and sadly, if they, and I've seen them do it, where they came in on Austin P one day, they tried to shut it down in, in my community, and when they police came swooping in, they started taking off, and innocent person cars got boom, boom, hit. They don't curl. Like yeah. she said, when they on Demon Time, there's a on Facebook. It's a club called uh, Under Twenty One. Uh, I forgot what it's called. Club Twenty One. These right. are young people that saying they're not going to make it to Twenty One. So they already know they on Demon Time. They right. they expected right. to right. die. So they don't care who they take with them. So sadly. Well, it's interesting because I was watching that committee meeting with the city council, and there seems to be a shift in urgency with at least some of our city council and mm -hmm. Shelby County commissioners, mm -hmm. where before the narrative has kind of been, well, a lot of these young people are just terrified of law enforcement, and mm -hmm. you had some pretty progressive city council members saying they're not scared of anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you have officers showing up and not arresting them, what message does that send to these young people? I, I think this is one of the, the scariest situations that we're facing now. And Commissioner, you can chime in on this. Mm -hmm. We're seeing more and more 
emboldened crimes. Mm-hmm. They just stole another police car. Mm-hmm. In Germantown. In Germantown. Yeah, in Germantown. W- one of ours. It was, it was mm-hmm. one of ours, a detective car. Mm-hmm. They've broken into the, the to the uh to CJ's CJ Davis car, stole her her gun. Mm-hmm. They've stolen several across the couple of, last year and a half or so, they've stolen several police cars. Yeah. And so what's happening is I believe is they're losing respect for law enforcement. Mm-hmm. If they're losing respect for law enforcement, yeah, what chance do we have? Right. The, the the lumping proletariat of people in this city, what chance do we have if they've lost respect for the law law enforcement here in the city? That's why, and and I know I've got a lot of people that don't agree with me. I think we need a shock to the system. I think we need some help. Yeah. Whether it's through the 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 highway patrol, uh, through through the national guard, something to shock this city back into normalcy. If my heart is in atrial fibrillation, fibrillation they shock it back mm-hmm. to a regular beat. Then we can start to really work on some of this. Right now, things are so out of control; it's hard to get a hold of this situation. Yeah. And so that's that's just how I feel. I'm very frustrated mm-hmm. and and scared for my family and, yeah. and, and the people in the sure. city. All right, let's let's get in one more headline real quick before we scooch a break. We'll come back and talk about it more. Um, there's more trouble involving the Shelby County Courts Clerk or Shelby County Clerk's Office. This time, it could affect the entire county budget, which you know more than anybody, Commissioner, was not easy to get to. Of course, this is funding for Regional 1, building a couple more schools. Um, report comes out by, and we have some of this information, um, submitted inaccurate re- revenue reports for at least three months. The clerk did. Um, a county commissioner, and you guys got briefed by this yesterday, mm-hmm. and we have this. This is County Clerk Regina Newman with some of this reporting. Take a listen and cut 11. We do not have reports from the county clerk that are accurate all the way back to July. They are looking into the situation and attempting to get the information we need in order to um, accurately report what the wheel tax increase is bringing in. So I have been in in communication with the comptroller's office about what to do about that and how they want me to handle it. All right. And that's the county trustee, not the county clerk, Regina Newman. Okay, thank (laughs) you, thank you. So, because uh, I know she don't want to get confused <laughs> on that one. Yeah. Uh, I but, appreciate that. Yeah, yeah but to that point, I, I say this is that, so what we do know is that every night the money gets swept into the trustee. So the trustee gets the money as the banker. The, 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 the issue that is at hand is, is that when she's not properly turning her reports in to say what line item those things supposed to go to, the trustee cannot report to the finance, chief financial officer where these dollars actually go. So, yes, it makes it hard for us to give an honest insight into the budget if we don't know what line the money in. They gave us a report the other day, but I said, how can we trust this report if we don't know where these line items really supposed to line up with? So uh, those things are uh, needed to be addressed. I know after wow. that, after that meeting, the trust, the clerk did send us over months of reports showing mm-hmm. that she sent in the reports. So we have our finance people looking through it now to see if these are adequate and why this is not what the trustee have. So, so is it that she <laughs> did not or did send in the revenue reports or that they were inaccurate? Like the ones she sent over after the commission meeting yesterday where this all got brought to light. Are those ones accurate? Because you kind of need to know if they're accurate, if you can build a hospital and this is all 
compounded. Right. Well, I'm going to say this. So if we're at this point where the trustees should be getting accurate reports is that now it is in the hands of the prosecutor. I'm the person who's looking into it from Chattanooga. Or mm-hmm. I forgot the name. I'm sorry. But also the comptroller. District office, Attorney Womp. Womp. Yes. To, uh, and then the comptroller also who is looking into this matter. So they're going to have to dig deep for us. And, and those requests have went to them so that they can because that's who really can hold it accountable because you got to give them the accurate, accurate reports. Has the county mayor Lee Harris seen this yet? <laughs> He's going to be fired up because, as you know, Fred, this yeah. has been one thing after another. I'll give you the last word well, before uh, we go to break. Well, they've definitely been at odds. I, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. So basically, she was kind of sending a g- general numbers mm-hmm. without line items. Yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't seen what the trustee was uh-huh. getting, but I know what she sent us yesterday did have line items. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Commissioner, what? I mean, we've been going through this for, what, two years now? Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, what, what are your feelings on this? I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm lost for words. Yeah, I am too at this This point. also is bipartisan, yeah. Yeah. where you have yeah. Republicans and yeah. Democrats. <laughs> kind of like, okay, we've given you 14 chances. <laughs> when is enough? Yeah, I, I think that you're exactly right. I mean, we have a place that all of us, again, want to be fair about this and came in. So as new commissioners, we came in and said, okay, maybe the last commission was missing, p- picking on you. So we did, you know, extend all the branches. But then if we did <laughs> deep in, something got to give. So Yeah. yeah. All right. We're going to leave it there we did it we got through two hard news (laughs) items and then we'll come back have some more fun they're sticking around and i hope you will too as well we'll be right back (laughs) yeah happy friday everybody and want to welcome back our friday with friends panelists shelby county commissioner charlie caswell as well as Beloved friend of the show, host of his own show on Saturday, Fred Tappen. Do you guys have phones this morning? Do you have uh, the access to call someone? Yeah, Were I, you I, all affected by that? I think it kicked in late yesterday, yesterday, yesterday. evening. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I have two phones. Actually, when I when I ran for state senate, uh, Commissioner, uh, one of my donors bought me a phone. Uh, that was his donation to yeah. the to the to the effort. And I just decided to keep it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I have a, I have a, I have a phone on two different, uh, on two different uh, uh, phone with fo- two different phone companies. Yeah. And so one was working, mm-hmm. and one wasn't. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out what was going on, and yeah. so I looked it up on the on the web, and it man, it had like a, a million messages about what was going on. So. Yeah. Uh, I, but we do have service right now. That's yeah. good. Yeah. You know, the conversation since then has been how dependent we are on our cell phones. And there was this Gallup oh, poll that boy. I thought was really interesting. Uh, it, it found that most people in America still believe that their smartphone has increasingly significantly um, improved their life. But also the, surge, uh, the survey suggested that most Americans still believe that they can inconvenience them and that it was like 70% of Americans sleep with their cell phone. Mm-hmm. It is the first thing they touch when they wake up in the morning. Uh-oh. I know I'm getting out of that. my house. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I started looking. Oh, no, wait a minute. <laughs> That's a bad thing. Wow. I mean, you have, you have kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six of them. <laughs> so, yeah. my gosh, you, you have these kids that are obviously going to want a phone right, conversation. Right. And I guess the question is, when is too soon to give those kids a phone? Yeah. I'm curious about that. Mm. I, I, that's a debate me and my wife have. You know, I say this, Dad, when I, when many times taking the phone from my kids as a punishment, right. it's like they stop breathing, right? <laughs> 
I felt that way a little bit yesterday. I was like, oh, Lord, I can't call nobody. But, right, right, uh, right. And, and now calls coming in. But, no, it. I think. And my wife, we just gave our 11-year-old phone, and I said it was too early. She said, but she knew how to work it since she was five years old. So, right, I, you right. know, I think you know, it, that's that's a debate. But right now, smartphones, phones are, because my children use it to Google and do their homework right, and all exactly, that stuff as exactly. well. So, it's, yeah. it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah it is. It you is. know, okay, wanted to ask you about this, because there is a new house built. And I'm sure some of my friends would be very excited about this. It would raise the minimum wage in the state of Tennessee from $7 an hour, $7 and a quarter to $20 if it passes. Mm -hmm. Now, will it pass? Probably not. Here is Gloria Johnson, one of the people writing this bill. Here's what she had to say. Cut six. We are behind. People are struggling to keep the lights on and keep food on the table. Do I think it will pass? I don't have a lot of hope. So the reporter then went and talked to a couple different Tennesseans reacting to this law. Take a listen and cut seven. I just see everything going up. You know, the gas prices are going to end up going up. Uh, it's just going to affect the economy in a bad way. Independent nonprofit Good Jobs Institute says there are many businesses that have already set their own minimum wage and more than double the federal minimum. I think it's very good, but 16 is still not a lot. 16 mm-hmm. for a minimum wage? I yeah. would have been wow. thrilled. Yeah. What do you make of it? Now, I know we, me and my wife, we have a driving school, so we started instructors off with $25 an hour. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and even with the nonprofit that I ran before running for office, I started people off at $15 an hour because I knew the com- community that they live in, the home values was going up, couldn't afford it, right? So, we had to find other ways to try to help these families out. So, I think a lot of the gas price, a lot of things been going up, even when, even though the fact that minimum wage haven't went up. So, we have to have some real discussions and decisions about that. We can't keep people living in poverty and then expect for things to change all right fred do you think Uh, what do you make of it my sentiments exactly um i think i think she used twenty dollars as a negotiation tool knowing that they're going to negotiate it down some Mm -hmm. i think probably where the national many of the national the other states are about fifteen sixteen dollars or something like that i think that's where it'll trickle down to Mm -hmm. but yes how in the world can our federal Minimum wage still be seven dollars. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You you'll be homeless. Mm-hmm. You would be homeless on the street making seven dollars and twenty five cents. Tennessee hour. is currently one of twenty states that have that minimum wage set at the federal minimum. That's which it. for some people that might be shocking. It is still seven twenty five. So are those other states in the South or do it tell? Um, I would have to pull some statistics by right. the U.S. Department of Labor. Yeah. Good homework assignment for the weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Washington State has the highest minimum wage of any state at $16.28. Right, right. That right. is a progressive state. I don't see in Tennessee where we get $3 past that at No, no, no. I, like I said, I think it's a negotiating a, a negotiation number that they know it's going to come down. I hope it would come down no, no further than around 15 bucks an yeah. hour because I have, you know, kids and I pastor a church and we got a lot of people that there that are there that are not making that type of money and they are struggling mm-hmm. even our teachers I have to yeah. share this with you very quickly uh, again I, I work at, at, at LC elementary and we have teachers that have part-time jobs mm-hmm. they're making a teacher's salary and still can't make ends meet right and a lot of teachers are working part-time jobs just to make ends meet so we definitely need to look at that and see where it needs to be yeah and like you were saying with your driving school there are businesses target for example starbucks 
they're not following the minimum wage rule. Like mm-hmm. I know, uh, I believe it's Target. They started mm-hmm. sixteen dollars an hour. Yeah, Starbucks right. right around there as well. So Walmart, Walmart also. We, we have a we have a, a manager at Walmart at our church, and they start around sixteen dollars an hour also. Oh, like a carton of eggs now is seven dollars exactly. and twenty five yeah. cents. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's one hour of work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow, that's right. Not, <laughs> Just to have breakfast. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out. It flies, doesn't it? Yes, sir. definitely. Crazy definitely. that it's already 30 minutes past the hour. Thank you both for dropping by. We'll get you back on soon. Thank you. Thank you. All, All right. right. On the other side, we're going to jump into a couple different national stories. So South Carolina, right around the corner, that is going to be a must win for Nikki Haley, or it's over for her. I think it was over for her before she jumped into the race, but uh, I'll leave it up to you guys. And then also more concerns about... President uh, Obama, and President Obama, President Biden, excuse me. There I go. <laughs> with constitutional problems with the federal debt forgiveness. We'll have some reaction on the other side with some audio as well. Write down our telephone number because we'll also come to you guys, see your comments, and get into those as well. Here, that number is 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the morning show on this happy Friday. I'm feeling good about that. Uh, Vicki Gandy, one of our friends on the morning show, writing this in about the possibility of raising the minimum wage from $7.25 to $20. She adds this. Keep in mind that Tennessee is one of the cheapest places to live in the country, and not to mention Washington State had uh, their house would be at a cost of $400,000 Um or excuse me, a cost of a house here would be $400,000 over there. It'd be $1 million. That's exactly right. Um, the prices will just continue to increase. I've said this. Do you guys remember? I don't know why this sticks out in my mind, but Chipotle, you used to be able to go get a bowl for like seven, eight bucks. And I was over there recently. And to get one of these yummy like carnita bowls, they're like $18. How did that happen? Well, it's because we've raised the minimum wage. And when you do things like that, everything gets inflated. It's not rocket science. I'm not even a guy that's good with numbers. You guys know that. Um, but I am good with numbers when it comes to President Biden's unconstitutional snub of the Supreme Court, where they ruled that he could not just wipe away billions of dollars of student debt. And there's no question that he is going to use this to buy some votes. And we mentioned this with Liz Peake, but I thought it was worth revisiting because Politico came out with this report. Along with announcing $1.2 billion of student debt relief for over 153,000 borrowers, he'll be sending emails to make, make sure they know who to thank for it, right? Because Americans, they have the attention span of a net. And they will forget immediately if they wake up one day and their student, I mean, think about the pandemic, for example. We got paycheck after paycheck after paycheck. Do many Americans remember who that came from? Maybe. We're just living our daily lives. So that's where the email comes in. And according to Politico, I wrote this down. um, They wrote this. 
A challenge for the Biden re-election campaign and Democratic allies is making sure that the president gets credit for canceling that debt, even as the White House explores further ways to increase the number of Americans receiving loan relief. So if you think for one second that this is about them just being the Santa Claus in the Oval Office, you're wrong. It's to get you to vote for them. The email reads this. Congratulations, all or a portion of your federal student loans will be forgiven because you qualify for early loan forgiveness under my administration's save plan. He then adds, I hope this relief gives you a little bit more breathing room. Signed, your guy in the White House, President Biden. So Jim Clyburn, who is a Democratic strategist, well known in the black community, he is working alongside this administration to make sure Joe Biden can get across the finish line in November, had this to say. It's not giving anybody's money away. You that did not go and get a four-year degree, stop complaining because it's not going to affect you at all. Take a listen and cut 13. Going forward, every two months, uh, for the next four years, another 75,000 people will become eligible for this forgiveness. And I want to say to your listeners, this is not giving anybody's money away. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes, it is. As Marsha Blackburn wrote... She said the Biden administration trying to cancel $1.2 billion in student loan debt, yet another move that circumvents the Supreme Court's authority and harms American taxpayers. Again, um, oh, another commentator wrote this, Joe Biden didn't cancel student debt. He just transferred that debt from people he wants to bribe to vote for him. And now he's forcing people without debt or the people like me, because I did have some debt and I paid it off. To pay for other people's debt. And it's all an effort to buy votes. This one really, really bothers me. And I think the people that either didn't go to college or the people that did go to college and paid it off themselves are really on the short end of the stick on this one and making them really angry. Now, I understand he's trying to do this to win over young voters because they're so angry at him for trying to start a war. And a lot of these people want us out of what's happening in the Middle East. And they are angry, as you guys know. It happened right here in the Mid-South with the bridge takeover. The President Biden is standing by Israel. So a lot of young voters are turned off by this administration. Will this be effective for a lot of these naive youngsters to get them to the ballot booth and, and check his name when it comes to voting time in November? We'll just have to see who won't be checking in names for Nikki Haley right around the corner with the South Carolina primary is a lot of Republican voters in the state. So you guys know they've been having these town halls. And Trump had one and Nikki Haley had one on Fox. Well, after Trump's Fox News town hall, which was incredible, by the way, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, you should. They talked to undecided voters. And here's what they had to say in Cup 5. Why don't we do a show of hands? Yes. If any of you change your votes. Yes. I was leaning Trump. I'm definitely going to vote Trump now. How about you guys? Same. Yes. I went to both the Nikki Haley town hall and now the Donald Trump town hall, and I can safely say that I think I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. Matt? Well, like you said last night, I was 50-50, you know, kind of riding the line, but Trump really pulled pretty hard today. Mm. I really enjoyed Mm. just 
we didn't have to talk jokes. Let's just talk policy. And for once, we got that out of Donald Trump today. I think what we've seen here, though, yesterday, at least three of you were very undecided. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump really flipped this. And now we have a unanimous panel of Trump supporters. Did you expect that's where you'd land, Eric? Eric? Well, when he read that thing about the Eighth Amendment, because my biggest fear also was the legal challenges. And to me, even though it was simplistic, uh, it showed me he had at least a a strategy. Like, he he has a a plan to get out of these troubles. Mm -hmm. And for me, Mm -hmm. uh, when he said that he was doing it for America, I believed him. And so, therefore, I felt to myself, I owe him that, at least to give that uh, vote to him on that that, that reason. Matt, when I said... To him, you know, you could just say I'm done. Like I, I, I can't. This is too much. I mean, for most human beings, it would be too just much. Give up. I mean, I, I, my heart breaks for him for you what could see has it happened. In his eyes when I forget who asked it today, but you could see it in his eyes when he said, "I'm not worried about my safety. I'm worried about the safety of this country and its people." That was a very powerful remark by the that, president. I think so too. Yeah. That line clever remark. So not looking great for Nikki Haley. Can she pull it off? I mean, she's down 30% in this state, the Palmetto state. So Nikki Haley goes on Fox News yesterday, and she's on Harris Faulkner's show. And it made a lot of headlines because it was pretty, pretty dismal for the former governor of South Carolina. And we'll roll through a couple of these shots real quick. Take a listen to this in cut one. How do you win your first state? I mean, it's amazing to say I haven't won a state yet. You've only had three states that have voted. Well, it's not amazing. We need South to go Carolina's ahead and let winner these take all. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing to say she hasn't won a state yet. No, it's not amazing. And you have not won a state yet. And you don't look like you're going to win your first with South Carolina. And then we've got Super Tuesday right around the corner. And that's our state. And I'm telling you right now. If it looks bad for Nikki Haley in South Carolina, it looks doubly bad in Tennessee. Maybe triply bad. Then they go on to have this exchange in cut two. Us at 9-11. Ambassador, Let's I, I understand that you, that you take it that way and that that's what you heard. Um, and we'll have to see how all of this plays out. This president didn't have an invasion by Putin on his watch. The only one in recent presidents. So there is that to be said about. Mm-hmm. That's very, very good reporting by Harris Volkner. And I know a lot of people are, you know, pissed off with Fox News Channel. I've got to give it to Harris because I think secretly she's a big fan of the former president. So that exchange there, Nikki Haley has been coming after President Trump for his comments referring to NATO. I mean, you've got to think about it. You have all of these NATO countries not paying their their fees to be in NATO. And what does America do? We pick up all of them. And when President Trump was in office, he forced those countries who have the money to pay their fees to pay them. At a recent campaign rally, President Trump said, listen, if they're not going to pay those dues and their fees, what's stopping me from making Putin not go and invade their country? And of course, because we are part of NATO, that would mean we'd have to get into a conflict. And all of these neocons like Nikki Haley, (gasps) pearl clutching, lehor. We're going to be in World War III. Oh, it's already happening, Sunshine. Like, we're going to be going to war with people like you. And as Harris Faulkner accurately pointed out, were we in conflict overseas during a President Trump administration? I want you to reflect. 
when we go to break. And on the other side, I want you to tell me yes or no, because the answer, I'll give you a hint, is, is no. We didn't have this. We didn't have Eastern Europe in flames. We did not have the Middle East about ready on the brink of a, of a war war. And that's because we had str- a strong global standing. So anyways, best of luck to Nikki Haley. But uh, really, uh, go home. We'll have more on the other side. Don't go away. All right, let's wrap up here and get through some interesting headlines that you might not hear on Morning Drive or in this market. So this one is interesting to me because I don't feel conflicted about this mom YouTuber that will probably spend the next 60 years in prison for child abuse because let's not forget who the victims of her crime were. They were her children. Um, she was a Mormon mom. I believe she had eight kids, a very popular YouTuber. And ultimately what happened is her abuse came to light after her youngest son escaped their house with, with duct tape around his ankles. He said that his mom by the name Ruby Frankie, maybe you've seen it on your TV at night, was tying him up in the home and putting cayenne pepper and honey on his cuts just horrible, horrible things. We have a montage of this mom. Um, can we play this? Um, we have the cut from yesterday. Let's play this. This is Ruby Frankie. Some of the red flags. Now, again, this was all aired on YouTube. I mean, literally millions and millions of views. And now she will spend the rest uh, of her days potentially behind bars. Take a listen. I'm only going to say it one more time. And then you're going to lose the privilege to eat dinner. Oh, so crying. Wake up. Evie. Your body hurts. Is it always hurting? I'm for coldness and then it does hurt it on the next day. Does it hurt right now? Yeah. You 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 heard it that my body hurt at night time. You know what? I am so excited your body hurts my bedroom was taken away for seven months and then you give it back like a couple weeks ago i don't think our viewers know that you've been sleeping on a beanbag i've been sleeping on a beanbag since october (laughs) and they gave my room back like two weeks ago oh i'll give you the reason why i lost my bedroom i think so i think this is the reason at least this is the reason that's in my head so pretty funny, but now that I look back at it, it's pretty depressing. No, we never told our viewers. Julie has been asking all summer if she can shave her legs and armpits, and I... I never said that. I, I don't, don't want to You don't? No. Julie, Julie, you should shave your armpits. I think your armpits need no. to be shaved more than your legs do. Yeah. When you start speaking, when you start getting B.O., <laughs> we won't show it on camera. So y- you can hear how awful this this mom was and again she claimed to be a person of faith and in her testimony because she was just sentenced to jail detailed how a couple years ago she started getting psychology help and she started meeting with a psychologist that started telling her things like there was a state that was going to imprison folks like mormons 
um, very bizarre stuff that turned her into this extremely controlling mom. Um, and, and well beyond that, as you can tell, um, there were other things like that they were going to be persecuted for their faith. She just got crazy. Ultimately, it led to her husband and her divorcing. So she is testifying. And why I find this interesting is when she took the stand and read a statement as she was being sentenced, she did not try to plead for a less ordeal. I mean, how many times do we see that in our country where these defendants get up there, they plead guilty, and then they get up on all of these charges? She looked at the judge looked at her husband, attorneys, and said, I want the full sentence because of the harm that I, that I occur, uh, incurred on my children. And this was her quote, and we have some of this testimony. My charges are just, they offer safety to my family, accountability to the public, and they did show mercy to me by taking me away from my children. Here is some of that testimony and we'll react to it on the other side in cut 14. I would like to make a statement without any intent to change my stipulated sentence. For the past four years, I've chosen to follow counsel and guidance that has led me into a dark delusion. My distorted version of reality went largely unchecked as I would isolate from anyone who challenged me. I was led to believe that this world was an evil place filled with cops who control hospitals that injure, government agencies that brainwash, church leaders who lie and lust, husbands who refuse to protect, and children who need abused. My choice to believe and behave this paranoia culminated into criminal activity for which I stand before you today ready to take accountability. My charges are just, They offer safety to my family, accountability to the public, and they did show mercy to me. My mother and father, I have been utterly wretched to you. You have offered me unconditional love, and for that I have offered you unconditional contempt. My husband of more than 23 years, you are the love of my life. So sorry to leave to you to finish, but we both started together. The ending of our marriage is a tragedy. It will all wrapped around my heart. It will all I'll never be able to undo. I'm sorry for twisting God's word and distorting his doctrines. My greatest desire is to stand in his court someday spotless and confident. And Judge Walton, I know that standing before you today is a necessary step towards that end. I'm committed to continuing my learning until all of my toxic layers are shed, and I am ready to re-enter as a contributing member of our beautiful society. All right, so that was Ruby Frankie as she was being sentenced to 60 years behind bars for abusing her children. Um, And you heard in that last soundbite where she said, I am regretful. I am sorry that I twisted the precepts of the Bible. And my greatest desire is that by standing in front of this court that I will stand in his court and in his presence one day. 
And why I, I why I still am obviously she needs to go to jail. The fact that she was willing to be remorseful and not try to at all try to get a lesser punishment. And she said that in the testimony. This is not me trying to get sympathy. This is just what I need to say in order to have some bit of peace in my life as I spend my my days in jail. So many times our culture is, well, it was the psychologist that made me paranoid and therefore I did all of these things. And because, and we see that here in Shelby County as well. There's always shifting the blame. At the end of the day, it was you. And your actions will result in you spending forever, most likely in jail. And it was interesting. I was watching some of the testimony. The dad who she addressed there, her husband, was like, babe, I love you, but you did this to our kids. I now have to raise them myself. You have to go to jail. So anyways, I have nothing more to add to that. Um, Dylan, pretty crazy stuff, though. Um, this was all over social media and just a weird, weird, bizarre, bizarre story. That's the weirdest part is that she filmed it all. I know. And it's like she thought that this was normal at the time. Yeah. And her kids probably thought that this was normal, which is like also really sad. I think it's another reminder that you have to be very careful in where you're going to get your counsel because mm-hmm. people get whacked out with that. I'm yeah. not saying therapy in general. I'm just saying you have to be really, really careful because you listen to a quote unquote expert. The next thing you know, you believe everything is gospel and you're doing horrible, horrible things. We've seen it before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. If you have questions about your quote-unquote expert, just turn to the Bible because the Bible would smack down what she did to her kids. I could tell you that right now. Going to do it for a week long of broadcasting. It's been fun. It's been busy, but it's been good. And it's only because we have the greatest listeners in the Mid-South making this the number one morning show in the market, number nine in the country. Tell a couple friends about the morning show. Tell them when you do to download our app. You can get that on your uh, your Play Store on Google. If you have an iPhone, that would be your app store. Just type in KWIMP. It's going to pop right up. Download it. One, two, three. Boom. You're good to go. You can stream the show wherever you go. We'll see you guys bright and early on Monday. Enjoy that sunshine because it is going to be a beautiful, beautiful day. We'll see you on Monday starting at 7. Take care. <laughs>